Hello, my name is Robbie Ventura, and I am your host here at the Velocity Cycling Podcast, where our one goal is to get you to fast faster. There is no one way to have great cycling performance. What works for some of us may not work for others. We really want to expose you to some of the greatest minds in sports performance, and hopefully we can try to figure out what works best for you to meet your goals and to meet your genetic potential. We're going to do one job and we're going to try to do it the best we can, and that is get you to fast faster. Hello and welcome to the Velocity Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Ventura, and I have one goal. Every single podcast that we give, we have incredible guests, but our real goal is to get you to fast faster. And hopefully, it's happened up until this point, um, our guests, um, as well as some insight from myself, really teaches you something about the sport, about endurance sports. And today we have an incredible guest. We have Anna Stralo from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who just had an unbelievable triathlon season. Now, many of you have not heard of Anna Stralo. I promise you, you will at some point. But if you haven't heard of her, she had an incredible fall season, summer slash fall season, winning both the long course national championships, USAT, also the Olympic distance USAT national championships, and Ironman Wisconsin, all within a 50-day period. We're going to get to all of those events and more. But before we do, welcome Anna Stralo. Nice to see you. Thank you, Robbie, for having me. I'm looking forward to this podcast. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. And in all in all honesty, because I think it's really important to be honest with the listeners, we just <laughs> finished this hour podcast, and I forgot to hit record. So we're going to get right back after it. And, and, and the greatest thing about this whole thing is, is Anna's like, we're going to go do it again. I, oh. After I screamed and yelled and complained and whatever, Anna's like, you know what? Let's get to work and let's get this done. So thank you so much for your positive attitude. I am super, 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 super excited to spend another hour with you talking <laughs> yes. about the unbelievable sport of triathlon. So before we go any further, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. Anna was a collegiate soccer player um, and she started triathlon about five years ago. And she just slowly but surely got better and better and better at this sport. And unfortunately, COVID hit after she'd already podiumed at age group nationals. But then last year, starting on August 7th, she had her first big win at the Olympic Distance National Championships in Milwaukee. Tell us about that day. It was an incredible day. Um, I've been training and running and riding just right there on the course in my backyard um, from, you know, the swim to the bike to the run. We had perfect weather, incredible volunteers with the city of Milwaukee coming out, um, supporting USAT. It was just it was a great day. And, and it was an interesting day, right? I mean, it was, you were going there with the thought of, of hopefully getting on the podium. I mean, you've been on the podium in 2017, COVID hits. Now this is kind of the first big event that you're kind of coming back to. And even though your number one goal was Ironman Madison, you and your coach talked about it. I can podium in this race if everything goes right. Then what happened? Yeah, so Heather and I, Heather Haviland is my coach and we had discussed um, my goals for this past year and one was just a podium for nationals um and it would be a good lead-up race for Ironman Wisconsin and then as we started looking at the data a little bit she was like you just gotta go for it and see what you can do so um that's exactly what I did I gave him my all you know 
looking back at the season, it was a really long season. Um, and so just having the focus of one goal at a time, looking at one race at a time really made it easier for me to see the goal of not only podium, but champion of that race. And, and obviously podium was important. You get out of the water, you're not kind of in a podium spot, but all of a sudden the race kind of carries on a little bit and you start to believe that not only a podium is possible, but as the race kind of wore on, potentially the victory. Can you walk us through kind of how that day went? Talk even from the beginning, like you woke up in the morning, you're in Milwaukee, everybody else, you're sleeping in your own bed, right? All these other competitors staying in hotels, not really that familiar with everything. You had a lot kind of going on, like a lot of opportunities that the other athletes didn't have. And I would say, did that give you a little extra on race day? Yeah, it did. It was comforting to just be home. Like my husband drove me to the race. I knew exactly where we were going. I knew the steps I was going to walk down to get to transition right next to the art museum. I mean, that's an advantage in and of itself. Um, but it started with the swim. I'm not a strong swimmer. I'm working on it. Um, but coming out of the water, I knew I wasn't going to be first. Uh, there are so many good swimmers out there, especially short course. You need to be a fast swimmer. Coming out of the water, I think it was like seventh. Um, my husband was right there to give me some cues on where I was at. I had a pretty fast transition getting getting onto the bike. Um, then on the bike, what's really awesome about this course is that you can constantly see people. So I was counting the women I was passing, and I just didn't see that first place one for a while. Um, so I was just grinding it, grinding it out. At the end of the course you go up the hone you turn around you come back up and down the hone and I thought I saw her there and getting off my husband had told me I was either one or two minutes behind her I had another fast transition because that's key really in these short course races too they have to be fast you could lose a race if you don't have a fast transition um and then um same like the bike, the run course, you're constantly seeing people. So I saw her and I used her as my carrot to really try and gain on her throughout. But it wasn't until maybe about a half mile to go. I caught her. I stuck with her. She was right behind me. <clears throat> and maybe with about 400 meters to go, I just went for it. And I can still remember that feeling of like, I don't know if my legs are going to give out or what, but I want to be a champion. Let's go. Um, and once I crossed that finish line, I was, it was, I was really in awe. Like what just happened? That, I mean, I, I will tell you, you know, I, when you, when you go somewhere expecting, you know, with a goal of getting on the podium and you start to believe that you can win the race you have an extra gear. Like all of a sudden things get a little bit easier. You get a little bit more motivated. Um, and on the converse, the person who's out front that starts hearing on the course that this Anna Stralo has gone from seventh to fourth to second, and she was three minutes behind you. Now she's one minute behind you. It starts to work the opposite. So you're getting more motivated. You're getting more excited. You, the, the, the thought of winning is coming through your body, giving you like an extra 5% where the thought of getting caught is giving her, you know, a reduction of 5%. And when that comes together, it's magical. And, and I, and I, 
And I just, I'm so excited you got to feel that feeling of victory before your big event, which was Ironman Madison, because I'm yeah. sure there was some confidence that was gained there. Definitely. I mean, that told me that I have the drive and I have just the, the willingness to sit in that pain. I mean, it's painful in the end to really be able to push yourself to your best ability. And I was able to prove to myself that I could sit in that pain. So I knew if I could do that for two hours, you know, 10 hours for Ironman is quite a lot, but at least I, I knew I had the ability within me and that's what I was going to take to Ironman. And now, obviously a two hour race is a lot different than a 10 hour race. You just talked about that. What was your plan? So exactly one hour. So one month. So August 7th, September 7th is your big event. You got one great victory tucked away, but not the victory that you want. This is the one you want. You want to qualify for Kona. You want to win the event. You and Heather get together after the event. And how do you kind of get yourself ready now for a 10-hour event? Like what, what happened with the training? I think you did some specificity work, some, some, some work on the course. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So during that month, it was a lot about specific brick workouts, um, going out to Madison, using course recon to really start to visualize the race, know where the turns are, know where the hills are, um, you know, know what my challenges may be. Um, you know, they always say you need to plan to fail instead of failing to plan. Right. So it was going through those things in my head and having the mindset while doing these brick workouts that I think really led to my success. Um, so just like you said, it was really specific, um, identifying areas that I needed to work on or just be cognizant of within the race or think about, you know, um, what if I'm feeling this way during the race, how am I going to adapt? That's something triathletes are really good at and also really bad at <laughs> like you can be good at adapting and that's a successful athlete, or you can kind of dwell in the failure of something that may have gone wrong during that time. And then you're done. Um, so that's all part of it though. And that's what I worked on during that month's time was really trying to be specific leading up to Ironman, knowing that my goal was Kona. Like, even if I had a, a really hard brick workout and I thought to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, with another five hours to go, I just asked myself simply, do you want to go to Kona? The answer was never no. So <laughs> I just had to, I had to work, had to work. Well, you know, what I think is interesting there and, and, and for anybody listening, I think that the big takeaway, and, and this is an important one, because it's very, it's, you know, I think throughout her entire career, this has been a, a, a big part of her training is training to the demands of the event, right? She had the Olympic distance event on, on August 7th, and she did a lot of specific work on that course. Now, granted it was in her backyard, but she got to, she got to actually ride on the course and she got to train to the, spe the specifics of an Olympic distance. As you get closer to this Ironman, the rides obviously got longer, the bricks got longer, but not only did, were they bricks, they were bricks with the same sort of efforts that she's going to have on that course, mimicking some of the terrain that she's going to experience on that course. And then on top of that, which I think is just the absolute piece de resistance, she got to ride on the course for a couple of months heading into that event. 
So, you know, one level is training specific. Another level of above that is actually riding on the course. And I think the, the huge gains that anybody can get from riding on the course and training specific is you're going to have these little slip ups. You're going to, you're going to not take the corner at the right speed. And if you take, if, if you get a chance to go do that corner again, not only do you get through the corner better, but you don't have to reaccelerate out of the corner. So all those little marginal gains start to add up and you start eliminating potential problems that might happen the more specific you train and that the course knowledge as well. And I think all of those things add up to what happened on September 7th with a 26 minute victory. Walk us through that day. Yes. Oh, that was such a good day. So, um, started with the swim. Um, like I said before, swim is not my strength, but, um, gosh, did the stars align for that one because I came out of the water. I think I was like 13th female back. Um, again, my husband was planted right there, giving me the cues. It was so perfect. Um, went on to the, the, the ride and I was counting the women again, you know, how many were in front of me trying to just push them back, push them back and keep heading forward. Um, that bike course is rough. I mean, in total, looking back at my power file, um, it's almost 6,000 feet of climbing. So I knew what I was getting into, but again, I was just always looking forward. Where's the next woman? But at the same time, I couldn't focus there because if I were to focus on really who was in front of me or, you know, what power is she putting out? Gosh, she's so far ahead. Like I didn't catch the first female till like mile 40 or 50. But again, it was more like a thought that came in and then I had to toss it out because if I thought about her and her power, gosh, was I going to go into a dark place? And that's, what's tough about Ironman and it being such a long time on the course by yourself is you can really start to talk yourself down and go into this dark place of thinking about what, are, what is he doing? What is she doing? Or maybe I didn't eat this. Maybe I didn't eat that. And then you're done. So I was really dialed in on my numbers and my race. Sure. I thought like, okay, once I get to her, great. But then I wasn't thinking about it anymore. I was just focused on me and my success. And my goal was to qualify for Kona. And that just kept repeating in my head was Kona. Do you want to go to Kona? Yes. Let's go. Keep pushing. So you pass the girl at mile 50. Now, you know, most people, when they pass the first place woman or the first place in their division or the first place guy, or maybe even just a friend that they've been trying to beat, they either do one of two things. One, I know I'm going to really go hard because I'm yeah. going to make sure that I break their, 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 you know, their, their soul. Other thing is, hey, I'm going to back it down a little bit because I don't want to detonate here. Not you. You kept your focus 100% on your race plan. Tell us about what happened after that. Yeah. Okay. So I passed her and I was ahead for that first loop. So then going into the second loop, I knew I was ahead by quite a few minutes. It went from like 10 and then I think 20. Um, I got off the bike onto the run and I was pretty tired. The last 10 miles of that course, you're always going into headwind. And I expected that but I didn't want to push through that because I knew that I would burn a match for the run. And I did not want to do that. So I get off the bike. Um, she was maybe like 15 minutes behind, but again, getting onto the run course and just knowing how well their, um, 
knowing that there are a lot of elite runners within triathlon, I didn't know if someone was going to just burn me on the marathon. So I had to stay focused. I had to watch my mile splits. Unfortunately, when I got halfway through and I felt like I hit a wall, it was, I knew it was because I started too fast. But when you get into the run on that course, it's incredible. I mean, there's people like four people deep. It's like, you can feel the energy through the Capitol. My first mile split was like a sub six. I could feel it and I wanted (laughs) it, but I felt it on that second loop. So as I kept going around for the second loop, then I just had gained time and gained time. But again, my goal was set on winning it and qualifying for Kona. And you can't look back or think about what are other people doing because then you're not going to make your goal. So I was focused on my goal of 10 hours. I didn't hit it. I was close 10, 16, but, um, yeah, it was an incredible race. And I was just so thankful for all the support on that day. It was amazing. I think I was smiling the whole time. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you, you, that's part of, uh, I think of your gift is, is no matter what happens, you're going to smile and you're intense, but you have that smile that just kind of, you know, grounds you a little bit. So, you know, I always think when you're in the position that you're in, the biking person's in front of you, you're running behind, everybody knows you're winning. Everybody around you is just going. I mean, you're a local hero. Everyone's super excited that you have all your family there. Heather's, I mean, how do you, how do you keep calm? Like to me, like when that, like I did the, the Maniunk wall and there's a thousand people cheering for you on, you're going up. It's like, gives you an extra boost, but that boost, if you let it get to you, will will, will burn you out. How do you kind of calm your nerves? What do you think about out there when you're running to keep yourself from going too hard? It's yeah, it is all mindset. So at first I knew that I went out way too fast because like maybe mile five, I was like, wow, this is like a really good time. And then I was like, um, but you're running a marathon. Like, let's remember that. <laughs> right. So, uh, constant self-talk bringing you down to earth. I had my mile splits written on my hand. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and then there's also that nutrition piece of like, you know, you get wrapped up in the crowd and then you forget like, Oh, I was supposed to have a gel at five and then you're down. And then you bonk, you know? So it's really focusing on yourself, constantly asking yourself questions. How are you feeling? Did you eat? What's this mile split? What's the next mile split going to be? Like, um, again, that course recon comes into play. Like, oh yeah, I just passed that gas station. I always have a gel at that gas station. So constantly thinking about what's ahead, what's the next step is what contributed to my success. And and, and the, the interesting thing, that, that I think you said there was you have, you had a really specific race plan for one, obviously that race plan, you went a little bit fast. So you had just a race plan a little bit. You know what? I might, I might have to eat a little bit more now because I might've overdone. So you had a backup to a backup to a backup. So you were able to adjust and react to the, to, to how you were adapting or how that race plan was changing over time. So what I think is important is that everybody, no matter who you are, should have a race plan. And I don't care who you are, how good your race plan is, it's going to change over the course of a 10 hour race. It's just, it will never, ever be perfect. Right. So cool things about that. And, and the things that I want you to take away from what Anna said are, she didn't think about, I have 14 miles to go to the finish line. 
she thought about what do I need to do in this next mile to be successful? Then what do I need to do in the next mile after that to be successful? And as more endurance athletes take on these longer events, I think that's a really important lesson she's teaching us. She, she had a plan for the whole thing, but her focus was the next mile, right? The next aid station, the next thing I need to do to be successful. Not, I wonder if I'm going to finish a three and a half hour marathon here, or I wonder if I'm going to hit my 10 hour goal. That just happens because she's focusing on executing her plan. And as her plan changes, her mind shifted a little bit to adjust to that. So I think that that is a super, super valuable lesson that I want everybody to take from you is that even though your goal was to win, you didn't think about winning. You thought about the next play, which I think is is brilliant. So you come across the line, you win by 26 minutes. you got to be out of your mind right now. I mean, tell us about the emotion and then, and then kind of what, what went through your brain after that? And, and just like, how did you let it all out? Oh gosh, going down that I have goosebumps. <laughs> My family just lined a family and friends just lined that finish. It was incredible. And to hear Mike Riley announce my name, like I didn't even know that was going to be a thing, you know, like he's a superstar. And here he is saying that I the first female of Ironman Wisconsin. It was amazing. I can't even describe what I felt because it was just out of this world. Um, and, a, you know, going back to my goal being Kona, I knew I had, I had gotten that spot, but to win the whole thing was a whole <laughs> different ball game. Um, and then after that, I thought, so now what, like, I, I need to make some goals for Kona. Yeah. <laughs> right. I bet you thought about it for like literally an hour. Then you're like, okay, Heather, how let's do you get go. ready for Kona? Girl? Exactly. Yeah, let's, let's go. go. What can I do at Kona? I just won this. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but you weren't done. I mean, I think what, what's interesting is that, you know, you accomplished those two enormous goals and, you know, you, you, you know, 21 days or less than that, 19 days later, is the National Long Course Championship in New York. You're not familiar with that course, that's for sure. Um, what did you, did you have that goal of doing that before the, this entire season? Or was it like, I'm rolling right now. I'm, I'm hot. I'm going <laughs> to see if I can win one more. Or was it more like, you know what? I've had this plan from day one. I'm going to go out there and do it. See what, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, we kind of just added that on last minute. That was a bonus race. Kind of like... Um, let's see what I can do. It's another national race. Let's see who shows up and who I can compete against. And after Wisconsin, so I had like three weeks, it was recover, recover, recover. I don't think I ran or biked a lot. I swam to try and just loosen the body up a little bit. Um, I did virtual course recon, that being looking at a lot of Google maps, studying the course studying my competition, see who was registered and who was going to show up for that race. Um, and then it was just a matter of what can I do? I mean, I I had nothing to lose for that race. If anything, it was, it was a battle against myself because I knew I was going to be really tired from Ironman. I'd never raced an Ironman before. So I had no idea what to expect. Like, Oh, how fast can I recover? You know, thinking back to the, the days of soccer, playing tournaments and games after, 
you know, weekends and weekends, I was fine. I could bounce back. No problem. And here I'm kind of like, okay, so I did an Ironman. I'm 31 now. How fast can I recover? (laughs) You know? So, um, but again, it was, it was going in there. Like I have nothing to lose. Let's see if I can gain a little bit of fitness. Let's see what I can do here. And, and then call it a season after that and have some fun. And, and I mean, obviously it, it went really well. Um, you won the event. Um, you know, you, it was, it was a little bit of a different event because, you know, you were racing with the guys, most of the event, but you managed to win the Olympic distance, your first Ironman ever in Ironman Madison, which is a huge, very difficult Madison Ironman. And then to come back and win the national championship long course. I mean, at this point now, have you finally got to sit down and go, what a mind blow season. Oh my gosh. Like, wow, this has been a blessing. I mean, not to no injuries, no challenges, no issues. You know, I think to have and to hold a peak that long is very, very difficult. Um, I think that that's, that's one of the most remarkable things that I, I, I take away from this is two very different types of races. One that's two hours, one that's 10 and one that's five or six. And to be able to hold a peak for 50 days. I mean, did you ever think that that was possible? No, I had no idea what to expect, but I was, I'm, I was driven. I just, I wanted it. You know, I thought, okay, if I won nationals and I won Ironman, if I just did an Ironman, what's a half Ironman, you know, like I can do this. Um, you know, it all comes back to mindset. You know, we define success in a, in a certain way and we accomplish it by, accomplishing these goals we set for ourselves. And I think in that 50 day period, it's all about the little things, the small goals. What are you going to do a little bit extra? You know, am I going to take a little bit more time off? Maybe I can take a little bit more PTO from work, you know, and just go for a massage and relax. Or maybe I'm going to say no to the social gathering because in the back of my head, I want to win Ironman and I want to go to Kona or, you know, maybe I need to tell Heather, I need this day off for training because I just don't feel good. It's all the little things. It's the little goals that add up to what we ultimately define as success, right? Our bigger goals. Awesome. Awesome. And now kind of some of the tougher questions here. I mean, this is, that's all, all fun stuff to talk about. All these great victories. I mean, what an incredible year. So most people, when they have a year like that, you know, one of the big challenges is a, how do you come back from that much success and have another year of success like that? And, or secondly, do you change your goals up a little bit to take that pressure off? Like, I mean, tell me how you and Heather have sat down this year and tell me if you felt that pressure of winning three races and how you bounce back and really kind of have a better year or have a different year or have a, you know, how do you set up your season for this? How do you set things up for 2022? Obviously Kona is number one, but kind of what's your mindset leading into this? Yeah. And it goes back to one goal, one race at a time. If I look big picture at my season coming up, it's really daunting. Like how can I race all of these races and be working and be better than I was last year. Um, so I can't look at it that way. So it's one race, one at a time. And not only that, but then it's diving a little bit deeper into each component of triathlon. So swim, bike, or run. It's, it's really picking it apart. For example, for short course, 
you have to be a good swimmer. And like I said before, that's my weakest point. So I've spent some time working more on my swim. And then for 70.3, you see a lot of people win it in the run. And that's the same with Ironman too, actually. So I dialed into my run a little bit more this past season. Um, and then also the bike, you know, you can't forget about the bike and you can actually gain a lot from riding aerobically on the bike and that can translate into your run. So, you know, that's the beauty of triathlon is you can really dial into each sport at different times rather than trying to tap into all of them. Cause then you're going to burn out. So similarly with my goals, it's one at a time, one race at a time. I'm starting this season with a shorter race. So I can't think about Kona. I'm only thinking about this race, race and wanting to, to podium at this race. Awesome. I mean, just that is, that is a very mature way to approach a season after you've had so much success. And, and I think the fact that, that you're, you've been doing this for four years and that is your outlook and your mindset is phenomenal and probably the only way you can your mindset could be and have success right because what i think happens to so many people and anybody watching this and you don't have to be an absolute ironman champion to have had a great year you could have been in the top 20% of your age group you could have finished your first half ironman you could have there's a lot of different ways like you said earlier to define success it's not always winning right it's just improving and growing and after you've improved or after you've grown or after you've won, what's really important, what you said was really hit home, was the importance of not getting ahead of yourself, is to try to think about what went well this year and what areas can I shore up to even be better next year. And what I think the, a big mistake that people make, especially when they have success, is to repeat exactly what they did the season before. And that might work to, a, to, a, to an extent, but at some point, what ends up happening is they stop improving and they think they're done, but they, 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 they stopped improving because they keep training the same way and their rate limiting factor has changed. It might not be aerobic power. It might be high intensity power. It might be the bike. It might be the run. So what's important and what I love about your training and what you and Heather are doing is you're constantly trying to figure out what your new rate limiting factor is. Cause you know, as well as I do, it changes as we evolve and as we grow. And to take an approach where you're going to really shore up your running or you're going to really shore up your swimming and focus a lot on that. And someone that's got a full-time job like yourself and, and, and her doctorate in, in, in PT and, and so much success, you know, in other sports, I think you have to train that way because you don't have these 20, 30 hours to spend just doing these long aerobic miles. You have to be so surgical with what you work on. And I just, I am blown away with how you're approaching the season. And the fact that, you know, you all you're focused on right now is your biking portion, right? You came in, you did your met test this morning. You just put in a huge running block. You even had a running goal. You did a half marathon, which you did incredible. And you learned something from it. And that's probably the most important PR it, of course. Um, and now you're starting that cycling build and you're not going to start that cycling build with, Hey, I'm going to do exactly what I did last year. I'm going to get tested. I'm going to figure out where my weakness is. And I'm going to focus on that component along with my aerobic power. I just, I just love that mindset. Hopefully everybody, I, I took something from that. Cause I think it's, it's, it's really the, the only way to think about training when you have a full-time job. And if I didn't say this before, guys, Anna is a full-time PT. 
I mean, 40 hours of work a week working. She's married, right? She's got an incredible family that supports her. So she spends a lot of time with her family and she's managed to win those three races last year, which I think is absolutely incredible. So let's talk about turning pro. Have you thought about it? Totally. Absolutely thought about it. Um, after this last year, especially, um, and I talked with Heather about it and it's just, it's not the right time for me quite yet. I mean, I have been in this sport for five years. Um, and I don't have the race experience that I want yet. I don't have what I believe would be defined as a pro yet. Um, like again, my background is soccer. I didn't race um, as a, as a runner, you know, so like, I still have things to work on there. I didn't race as a triathlete or a swimmer. Um, so there's still a lot of room to grow. And I feel like I just, I need a little bit more growth in the sport before I fully commit to turning pro. Um, I feel like, you know, the definition of a pro is that you have met the highest capacity within your sport. And I feel like it would be a disservice to that category if I were to just join because I, you know, won these few races. I'm not there yet. Um, Now, that's not to say that's not a goal. It certainly is. Um, And I'm going to work towards that this year. Um, but I needed another year, see what I can do. And, and obviously, you know, it's always careful what you wish for in life, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, we, 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 it, we hit our targets, we hit our goals. And next thing you know, they might not have this, our lives may change so much in to, to, to achieve those goals that the juice isn't worth the squeeze and what things will have to change in your life. I mean, like, what things would change in your life if you did take out your pro card? Would you back off of work? Would you, I mean, you obviously there's that, there's the thought of potentially having a family potential. I don't know if that's, that's in the cards for you, if you're interested in that, but at the end of the day, that's a lot to work through, right? Because you're 31 years old. You obviously have the ability, the mindset, the focus to be a professional triathlete. That is for sure. Um, love the fact that you're respecting that you want to get right in there. If you're going to turn pro, I want to be competitive right away. I don't yes. want to be one of those pros that kind of just sits in and fills the field. That's no. not your style. I can tell you right now, you want to get in there and be competitive. Yeah. Um, but how about the balance of work about your, your, your relationship, potentially a family, how does that all fit in? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you nailed it a hundred percent is that if I'm going to turn pro, I'm going to do it right. And I can't work full time if I'm going to turn pro. Um, so I mean, but at the same time, I love what I do. I feel like being a physical therapist is my purpose. I get so much back from helping my patients achieve their goals. Um, And then there's cost, you know, triathlon is not a cheap sport when it comes to the gear and the nutrition and the coaches. I mean, it all adds up. Um, So there's that aspect of it. Um, And then there's family. Absolutely. My husband and I want to start a family and I'm at such a hard age because I'm 31 as, and as we get older, um, it's a lot harder to get pregnant. So there's that that's always in the back of my head too. Um, so there's certainly a lot to think about and then time, 
my gosh, I already spend a lot of time on my bike or on runs away from my family saying no to, to different social gatherings. Um, because I want to be the best in the amateur field that I'm in. Right. So then if I were to turn pro, that's a whole different ball game. Um, so I've been constantly thinking about those things, but again, when it comes down to it, if I look at the big picture of all of those components added together, it's, it's really scary. It's really hard. Um, so I have to take one year at a time, see what this year brings one goal at a time. Um, and just see where that takes me and then I'll decide. I will tell you this, Anna, you know, I think as a professional cyclist, um, former professional cyclist, um, I, I think in just listening to you talk, right. There's, there's an element of, of, of being selfish in being successful. I think if you look at a lot of these, uh, professional athletes, um, endurance sports across all sports, not just endurance sports, there needs to be a focus on your own health, your own training. Cause if you don't, things will slip away. Like you talked about, you'll start going to social gatherings that sound like a lot of fun, but you're not really focusing on your target and your goal. Um, and I think, I think everybody needs a balance point, right? Everybody needs something else in their life that helps ground them slightly, you know, brings them back to the, to the most important things, which is being in service of others, obviously helping other people succeed. And you told me a story when I was doing your test about the inspirational people that you work with and how you think about them and their stories and, and, and helping them. To me, you have that balance. I mean, you, you've, I think that work that you do being a PT gives you the other side that so many professional cyclists miss. And, and I think when, when you turn professional, you got to keep a little bit of that in your world because I think it really kind of gives you, uh, makes you unique in the fact that you're happy and balanced and, and excited about the sport still. Cause I think missing that piece of it is, gets to be a little bit challenging. So I think that all those stories that you told me about, about the clients that you help, I don't know, do a great job of keeping you kind of balanced. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there are definitely some points in races that I think about my patients and some things that they can't do. And that just pushes me to go further. You know, like it's such a privilege to race. And I think we oftentimes forget about that. The, the capabilities that we have, the physical abilities that we have, the support we have when we're, you know, building up to these races. Um, and I think when we're able to look at those things and be grateful for what we, what we have and what we're able to do and what we're able to see and who we meet in the process only helps build our success and, and just really love the sport even more. Absolutely. And I think as far as, is having a family. I think there's so many women athletes that have shown that they can be professionals before and they can be professionals after having kids and have unbelievable success both before and after. So hopefully when that time comes, you don't think your career is over. It's just going to be a, maybe a little pause for a little bit of time before you resume uh, your endurance career. But I, I, I'm super excited about your outlook on it. Take it one year at a time and, and things will work out because um, they often do, whether they it's predictable or not, or it changes like you don't necessarily think. I think your mindset and the way you're looking at it, 
everything's going to be absolutely just fine. Now, let's talk a little bit, just a little bit about velocity. But before we do, I just want to think, we were talking a little while ago about some of the talk, some of the positive self-talk that you have during these races and how even the best racers have times where they say, wait a second, why am I out here? What am I doing? This stinks. I'm not going to make it or I'm really struggling right now. And you've had those self those self those thoughts even in your biggest races, but you quickly acknowledge them and then get back to the task at hand. Talk about the importance of that. And just to, it's not for just amateurs. It's not for people going out in a century and really struggling. Everybody says, "What the heck am I doing out here?" At least once. During oh yeah, day. oh yeah, absolutely. I think you know, and that came into my head a few times in um, long course nationals in New York because I was thinking to myself. I just did a full Ironman three weeks ago. What am I doing here? You know, like I didn't even need to be doing this race. This is a bonus race. But if we dwell in those negative spaces in that dark place, it only gets worse. We are, you know, our brain is designed to keep us alive and to survive. That's its goal. (laughs) That's its job. So if we get into this area, this space, that's just like, oh, I'm not doing well. I'm not feeling well. You're going to sit in it and it's going to hurt. Who wants to do that in a race? Nobody. We race because we love racing. And so specifically for long course nationals that came into my head and I thought, forget it. I'm here. I came to New York. I came to do a job. I came to race and have fun. I can't think about that. Um, and so then it's all about either mantras or little words or, you know, chiseling at the race even more like, all right, I'm at mile 12. I have one more to go, you know, just picking it apart is I think what really contributes to success again, like I think the whole theme of this talk here is one piece of the puzzle at a time, one goal, one mile, and that's, what's going to drive us forward. Awesome. Now talk a little bit about selfishly. I want to talk about velocity and I think it's had a great impact. I mean, we did a great climbing camp uh, in June of 2021, but you've been on velocity on a regular basis really focusing on being as efficient as you can with some of your intensity. Talk about um, how it's affected your training and then tell us about your classes. I can't wait. I cannot wait to take Anna Stralo's 30 minute classes. Um, I can easily say that velocity has contributed to my success in that there are so many different components of velocity. And that's what I love about it in that you can train different systems, right? Like if you're training for, let's take, short course, for example, you can do some VO2 work on velocity. That's really going to dial in and set you up for success for that race. Or you can do something a little bit longer, steady, something with climbs, something, for example, for prep for Ironman Wisconsin. Um, So there's different energy systems that you can work within the app that I love. The other piece of it that I really like is that you're working on different skills. It's not just a platform where you're going to crank out the workout and be done. You're working on your pedal stroke. You're working on specific cadence. You're working on your efficiency. You're working on being compliant. And that compliance I have seen translate onto the road a hundred percent. And I know now that being more efficient has given me the ability to have more energy for my run. 
For example, for Ironman Wisconsin, taking those hills nice and steady and really working on my power and not burning a match, I think really set me up for a successful marathon. If I didn't have velocity to teach me that, um, to really understand what I was doing, I think I would have blown up, you know? So there's that piece of velocity that sets it apart from any other riding platform that I've experienced. The other thing too is you guys offer courses that are 30 minutes, like the ones that I'm going to record that are going to be incredible, by the way, or we can go 90 minutes, right? So for a time starved athlete like myself, I might not have enough time to crank out a 90 minute workout and I might just have 30 minutes, but velocity allows me to dial in and be super specific about the workout that I want to get done. And with the workouts that I do, because I don't have a lot of time, I want them to be good, specific and have a purpose. And that's what velocity gives you. Awesome. I mean, the fact that I'm, I'm basically anywhere from eight to 12 hours a week, and that's kind of your training volume up until this point, the, the level of fitness that you've achieved is remarkable. And I think that's largely due to the fact that all of your workouts are quality. I mean, they're really, really quality. You and Heather spent a lot of time making sure that your runs, your swims, your velocity classes bring to you something extra, right? Because working on the energy systems is one thing, but perfecting those skills, the drills that you do in the water, the drills that we do on velocity, the different things you're doing in the running, you, you're, it's a multiplier, right? Like when most people do in 15 hours, we can, we can be more efficient. We can learn more skills and get that done in 10 to 12 hours. So um, I'm just, I'm continually amazed at the level of fitness that you can achieve on the time that you do it. And I'm, I'm glad that velocity has been a contributor to that. Now, before you go here, a, you're going to do two 30 minute classes for us here on velocity. If they're not up already, they're going to be up very soon. I promise you. Just look under guest instructor, click on Anna Stralo, You'll see your two classes. One of them is going to be a rhythm workout, right? Where you're working on yeah. kind of some of the mimicking some of the climbs that, that you're the climbing type efforts that you're going to have at Ironman Madison. But that can apply to any kind of Ironman or any sort of uh, rhythm section where there's a hill a flat, a hill, or a flat, a hill, a flat. There's pretty cool. Look like space invaders. And then the second one is a little bit more specific to the Olympic distance course in Milwaukee, correct? Yep, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, so I'll walk you guys through that. It's, it's going to be, it's a perfect setup, especially leading into this year because nationals are back in Milwaukee again, the first week of August. Terrific. And before you go here, just tell us about your year. How does it line up? What is your first target? And then what is your big target for the season? Yeah. Um, all right. So first race is going to be, um, St. Anthony in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, that's May, uh, June. I head over to Virginia to race Ironman 70.3 Blue Ridge. Then, um, July is Ironman Lake Placid. So I'm doing two Ironman this year in wow. one year. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Ironman Lake Placid is an iconic race. It's been one of the oldest Ironman races there is. So I'm just thrilled to be able to do that race. And then August nationals again, back in Milwaukee, September recover, recover, recover. And then, um, October's Kona. Yeah. So, awesome. you know, what I think is cool too, um, is that the, a lot of these races that you're going to be doing, 
you're going to have the opportunity to race against some of those pros, right? You're going to have an opportunity to see kind of where you stack up against those pros. And it, it may it may shed a little bit more light on that decision, right? Because just take it as it comes, right? And you'll start right. to understand and fit figure it out over time. If you stay focused on kind of the next day, the next event, the next thing you're focusing on all that other stuff, like turning pro or not, I think will ultimately take care of itself when the season's over. So I cannot wait to follow you. What is your Instagram? A Stralo 16. A Stralo 16. Yep. A Stralo 16. So again, if you're listening to this and, and you want to get behind a well-balanced, good for the sport athlete, please give her a follow. Uh, um, if, if you're any sort of a sponsor or anything like that, I, I'm sure she is, she is always looking for support, velocity support. So we're super, super excited to have her um, racing in our kit this year. But there's always room for some more sponsors on there. So, so don't worry about that. But ultimately, I think you're going to have some fun following Anna this year. And, and I'm my guess is by the end of the year, if you don't know who she is, you're absolutely going to know who she is, not just from her her, her triumphs on the sport of triathlon, but the way she does it um, and, and the people that she helps out. So Anna, thank you so much uh, for being part of the podcast today. Thank you also for um, teaching some classes on velocity. I cannot wait to take them personally. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. It's been so much fun. And you guys go check out my classes. It's going to be great. <laughs>